Tradcast Express. Tradcast Express, it's Tuesday, January 26th, 2021. Yesterday was the feast of the conversion of St. Paul, and that means it was also the last day of the so-called Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. The Week of Prayer for Christian Unity is observed by the Vatican II sect every year from January 18th to January 25th. It is a corruption of the traditional Catholic Chair of Unity octave, originally approved by Pope St. Pius X in 1909 and later extended as an observance for the whole Church by Pope Benedict XV in 1916. Yes, I said corruption because it's not a development. Let me briefly explain the difference. The Novus Ordo Week of Prayer for Christian Unity is eight days of prayer that somehow the adherents of all the different denominations come to be unified, though no one really knows exactly how the final product would look. They just know it's not everybody becoming Catholic. The traditional Catholic Chair of Unity Octave, on the other hand, was eight days of prayer for the conversion of heretics and schismatics to the Catholic Church, because that is the only acceptable way to obtain Christian unity according to Catholic doctrine. Let me explain briefly. Since heretics and schismatics, by definition, are validly baptized, they have received an indelible mark from the Catholic Church. Membership in that church, however, they have forfeited on account of their public adherence to heretical or schismatic sects. Because of that, the church beckons these wayward souls to return to her, and so every year these eight days of prayer are observed to beg God for exactly that, that all who have left the Catholic Church would come to see the error of their ways and, strengthened by divine grace, would reunite with the Roman Catholic Church which they have left. And this is not a difficult concept, right? It's not difficult to understand, even by people who don't agree with it. At the same time, of course, it is rather difficult to hold that position and engage in ecumenism. No heretical sect will want to have ecumenical dialogue with a church that claims to be the only true church, which they, the heretics, must rejoin in order to be united with Christ and attain eternal salvation. So, when Vatican II came around in the early 1960s, that had to go. Not just the chair of unity octave, but the entire traditional Catholic understanding of the church— in order to open up the way for ecumenism. How did the Council do it? By changing the Catholic teaching that the Church founded by Christ is the Catholic Church into a completely new idea, namely, that the Church founded by Christ subsists in the Catholic Church. With this clever formulation, the Council destroyed the strict identity between the two and created a real distinction between Roman Catholic Church on the one hand and mystical body of Christ on the other. Now, in 1950, Pope Pius XII had already detected that some theologians were beginning to wander off into this grave error. So, in his encyclical Humani Generis, the Pope wrote the following, quote, 
Some say they are not bound by the doctrine explained in our encyclical letter of a few years ago and based on the sources of revelation which teaches that the mystical body of Christ and the Roman Catholic Church are one and the same thing. Some reduce to a meaningless formula the necessity of belonging to the true church in order to gain eternal salvation. Unquote. That's the encyclical Humani Generis, number 27. Now, what Pius XII decries here is exactly what Vatican II did a few years later. It taught that the mystical body of Christ and the Roman Catholic Church are not identical. Instead, it taught that one can be part of the mystical body of Christ without being part of the Catholic Church by teaching that elements of the Catholic Church are present also in heretical sects and other religions. And that leads to all kinds of absurd conclusions. For example, in number three of its decree on ecumenism, Unitatis Redintegratio, the Council said, quote, All who have been justified by faith in baptism are members of Christ's body and have a right to be called Christian, and so are correctly accepted as brothers by the children of the Catholic Church, unquote. Not surprisingly, that is exactly what Francis believes, and he is even more explicit about it. For example, a year ago, on January 17, 2020, he told a delegation of Finnish Lutherans, quote, As members of one and the same mystical body of Christ, Christians are bound to one another and must bear one another's burdens, unquote. And you can research this for yourself if you want, but given the context and who he's speaking to, it is clear that he's referring to all the baptized who profess belief in Christ. So he's not just referring to Catholics. Now, yesterday, for the last day of the Christian Unity Prayer Week, the false pope explained that it is his view that Catholics and Protestants, all the baptized who believe in Christ, are part of the same vine that is Christ's body. They all abide in him. They're just not perfectly unified with each other. And the way he explained that is by introducing a new metaphor. Remember, the modernists love to speak in metaphors because they lend themselves to vagueness and ambiguity. By introducing a new metaphor of Christian unity being like three concentric rings around the vine, much like the rings of a tree trunk. So, during his homily for Second Vespers for January 25th, Francis said, and I'm skipping around here to just give you the highlights, he said, quote, The first circle, the innermost, is abiding in Jesus. This is the first unity, our personal integrity, the work of the grace we receive, by abiding in Jesus. The second circle is that of unity with Christians. We are branches of the same vine. We are communicating vessels in the sense that the good or the evil that each of us does affects all others. It is not possible to encounter Jesus apart from his body made up of many members, as many as are the baptized. If our worship is genuine, we will grow in love for all those who follow Jesus, regardless of the Christian communion to which they may belong. For even though they may not be one of ours, they are his. 
The third circle of unity, the largest, is the whole of humanity, unquote. Now, this is typical Novus Ordo garbage theology. Francis takes our Lord's image of the vine. Remember, our Lord said, I am the vine, you the branches, in John 15, 5. Francis takes that image and distorts it so that he can fit his false ecumenism and his human fraternity jazz into it. Whereas the true image is that Christ is the vine and Catholics are the branches, specifically Catholics in the state of sanctifying grace. Those outside of that state are essentially branches that are still attached but have died and are bound to fall off. Bergoglio's idea of the vine has mutated into a vine with layers or rings around it that in the end include all of humanity regardless of faith, hope, or charity, not to mention supernatural grace. It is a naturalist distortion of the true image of the vine given us by Christ, in which only his true followers are the branches. No rings, no layers, just vine and branches. And those who defect from this vine are cut off, as St. Paul says in Romans 11.22, See then the goodness and the severity of God. Towards them indeed that are fallen the severity, but towards thee the goodness of God, if thou abide in goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Unquote. In 1868, Pope Pius IX wrote an apostolic letter called Iam Vos Omnes, and he addressed it to all Protestants and other non Catholics ahead of the convocation of the First Vatican Council to beg them to return to the Catholic Church. In that letter, he contrasted the Roman Catholic Church with their heretical and schismatic sects and pointed out that, quote, neither any one of these societies, meaning the heretical sects, neither any one of these societies by itself, nor all of them together, can in any manner constitute and be that one Catholic Church which Christ our Lord built and established and willed should continue. And they cannot in any way be said to be branches or parts of that church since they are visibly cut off from Catholic unity, unquote. Bam! That is the perennial Roman Catholic teaching. And the drivel we hear from Francis and the Novus Ordo Church in our day stands in contradiction to that teaching. It's not a development of the teaching, it's a contradiction. Because only one or the other can be true. Either Protestants as such are part of the church, the body of Christ, or they're not. It can't be both, and it certainly can't be one thing before Vatican II, and it's opposite after Vatican II. So, folks, you really ought to be a Sedevacantist either way. If we say Sedevacantists are right, you ought to be one because it's the truth. And if we were wrong, you might as well be Sedevacantists because then it wouldn't matter if you are one because then you'd still be united to the mystical body of Christ as Vatican II and its fake popes assure you. You know, they really can't have it both ways. 
They can't say that everyone who believes in Christ and is baptized is part of the mystical body and engrafted into the vine that is Christ, including, you know, pro-abortion, lesbian, Methodist women clergy, but somehow not say to Vacantists who simply profess the religion of Pope Pius XII and all the popes before him. It doesn't work that way. So, in short, be a Sedevacantist, because even if we're wrong, we're right. Tradcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tradcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate.